0: The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. So we're going to look at Acts 2, and um, let me start us by by praying for God to help us, and then uh, we're going to look at God's Word together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for uh, bringing us together, God Bring us safely here, given the weather, and God, we thank you for securing us in Jesus. God, we ask you would help us to understand your word and to apply it to our lives and uh, to grow to be more like Jesus together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, community is a major thing that we as a culture talk about, we as a church certainly we talk about it, but as a culture we talk about it. I think we're a bit obsessed with community. I don't know if it's just because with the pace of life and the modern age, we've kind of like lost our sense of community. And I I wonder if we all kind of long for, at least I hear people longing for like the good old days where everybody went to the town pub and hung out or something like that, you know, like just kind of like the localized community. Um, But you see it as well like in our TV shows. I mean, we've got uh, for the older shows, you have like Seinfeld or something like that. That's all about like these friends that, hang out together in a, was it the soup place or whatever, like the soup Nazi guy, or you have like the friend, you know, f- the show Friends, it's all about friends who are in a community together, or you have the Big Bang Theory, which I I watched over Thanksgiving with my folks, and I, I just don't get it. Like, it's not like my show, but like, I know that it speaks to people, you know? <laughs> uh you know, The you know, The Office, or Parks and Rec. So, like, all these shows, I mean, certainly they're all, like, a dramatic presentation of, like, some dynamic that they're all trying to work out together, but it's all community, you know? Like, it's all, here's these quirky personalities that we can all relate to in one way or another, put together in a community together, um, and trying to figure out how to do life together. Um, and in some ways, I think we all kind of like those shows because we're all still trying to figure out how to be in a community together. Um, and that's actually not saying that the Big Bang Theory is what the people in the Book of Acts were facing or like. Maybe they were. But um, <laughs> that idea of trying to figure out what is life like together, how do we do community together, that's actually kind of what we find going on in the Book of Acts here. And I know that we've been going through this book together in our Bible studies, and so in some ways it's kind of revisiting stuff we've already talked about. But I wanted to, I wanted to touch on it and talk about community, because we have started the second community group, and things are developing with the church plan to have more structured times together and trying to be more intentional with our life together. And so I just want to invest in that and look at what this can help us look to for 2016, the year ahead of us. Um, So in the Book of Acts, we find these, you know, ragtag group of people that are uh, in and this part, they've just um, they've had the gospel preached to them, and the spirit has come in powerful displays of the spiritual gifts, and they are now kind of thrown together, and it's like they went from being like a hundred and forty small church to a three thousand you know mega church. How do they do this life together? What does that look like? What are they characterized by? And so, that's what we find going on in this passage at the end of chapter two. Um, they're just basically a group of people trying to figure out what does it mean to love Jesus together? You know, what does it mean to love Jesus who saved them? What does it mean to love him together? So, let's look at verse two or 42. Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, so, chapter 2 of Acts, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you see it starts out just basically talking about how they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And I think that the main point of this whole paragraph, I mean, there's a lot going on there, but I think the main point is that to be devoted to Christ requires that we're devoted to his people. Uh, To be devoted to Christ, being saved by him, knowing him, Loving Jesus requires that we love the people that Jesus loves, being devoted to his people, devoted to fellowship and life together with his people. So, if that's the main point of this passage, we're seeing these people gather around a few things. They're gathered together, they're gathered around Jesus, and they're gathered on mission. And so, that's really what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at three things we see here. What's the cause of this community? What are they gathered around? And so we're going to start by looking at they're gathered to the gospel. Um, this is kind of strung through several of the verses, but it you, you, in the paragraph it says that they're devoted. They've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that would have been everything that the apostles had learned from Jesus from their their life with him over his three years of ministry, and then after his resurrection, the time that he had spent teaching them uh, how to basically read the scriptures with Jesus as their focus. Okay, we're good. Sorry, making sure that the screen wasn't right not <laughs> Um So it says in verse 42 that they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then in verse 46, day by day, they attended the temple together. And then in verse 47, they were praising God. So there is a sense of, at the heart of who they are, the, back, you know, the front and the back end of this paragraph, it starts out by saying, look, they were gathered around the gospel. They loved God. They loved God's... Uh, revelation of himself and Jesus. Um, and I find, this is, I find this is helpful for my understanding of how we do life together because they weren't gathered around personal hobbies or interests. They weren't gathered around political views. They weren't gathered around agendas. Uh, these people probably had a lot that they had, were differing opinions about. You know, Basically, these are all, at, at this point in the book of Acts, these are all Jewish people from, or Jewish people of faith from different parts of the known world at that point. So they would have had, you know, they might have even had inner family or inter clan conflict. They might have had lots of varying understandings of what was going on in the world, their political views, their preferences, their hobbies, their occupations. I mean, there's been a whole hodgepodge group of people. But what defines a church from the very beginning isn't Agreement on any of those things—it's actually agreement about Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us. It's this—the one mark of a true church is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what they're all gathered around. They're gathered around Jesus, um, so they're gathered around the gospel. And I think that what this also helps us see is that it's not—they're not gathered around personalities. I find it really fascinating. I'm sure the apostles were great guys, you know. I mean, they hung out with Jesus, they wrote scripture. They did some pretty crazy miracles that I, you know, I believe in miracles, but I don't think I'm ever going to have my shadow heal somebody. You know, that's not going to happen. But um, I find it really interesting that in verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So the emphasis is on the teaching. It's not on the apostles. The emphasis is on the gospel and not the personality of of the apostles, which is why uh, I am not the most charismatic guy. (laughs) I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to help us build a church around my personality or my agenda. I want to hold out for us the gospel, and Lord willing, God will raise up more leaders around the gospel to help lead us as a church, but the, the emphasis is on the gospel and not on a personality, not on you know, my personal quirks or you know how I like to do things. I want it to always be about the gospel because that's what the church is built around. It's built around the gospel as the center point And that's why, uh, as a side note, that's why the church name is King's Cross Church. Uh, We want to keep the gospel at the center of who we are from the beginning. And the gospel is about the king of the universe, our King Jesus, who died on a cross in our place so that we would receive the grace of God. And so he reigns over us from the cross. So that's... That's the gospel. It's in our name as a church. I'm not saying that other churches are not as good as us because they have different names, <laughs> but I'm just saying we want to be centered on the gospel, and that's what the life and heartbeat of the church is built around. You have at the beginning of all this, you have Peter declaring the gospel, the Spirit coming and changing hearts and converting men and women to know Jesus, and it's only going to be Jesus is going to sustain them in their life together as a church. So uh, that's why um, in a few weeks, uh, Jeff, one of the other elders, is going to be preaching on what does it mean for us to be gospel-centered. What does it mean to have gospel-centered teaching and preaching as one of our core values as a church? Um, we can, I could preach on that now, but I think it deserves a, a, whole, a whole message because this gospel centrality of the book of Acts here and the gospel centrality of the church here in our passage I think it totally changes how you do church and how you understand the Christian life and how you understand your life together. Um, It puts Jesus as the focal point um, who can redeem and change us uh, rather than um, a hobby horse or some other thing that uh, is not going to save us. So Jeff's going to get to that, so that's why I'm kind of babbling at that point. But um, it's the gospel that brings us together. It's the gospel that brings us into a real, powerful, grace-filled life-changing relationship with God, and so it's about Jesus and Jesus only. So I think, as we've alluded to, one of the things I love about what God's already doing in King's Cross is just the diverse types of people that we have in our church. I just I love that we have people of different political views, that we have people of different occupations. Uh, we have people from different parts of the city um, people with very different testimonies. We, we've been we've been talking about our personal testimonies in uh, our missional communities this week. And some people are, I grew up in a Christian home, and I got converted at four, and I'm not really sure when I became a Christian, but I know that I believe in Jesus now. And some people are, I grew up without Jesus, in a home that didn't care about Jesus, and then God saved me uh, miraculously when I was 25. And, uh, you know, so it's just, there's... There's different types of people that we have in our church. And I love that. I love how God is reflected and glorified in the different types of people. Some of us like hip-hop music. Some of us don't. Some of us like Chinese food. Some of us don't. Some of us, you know, uh, like football. And, you know, some of us don't care. It's, It's just... Uh, but you see, when those sort of things are the, the open realities of our life, yes, we might not have the same preferences. Sometimes we even strongly disagree with each other, but we're united for each other in Jesus. That makes Jesus look like he truly is. He's great and glorious, and he brings lots of different people together. And I think that that is uh, one of the unique things that sets the church apart from re- social clubs that the world builds. I think it's great to be a part of um, social projects or civic things in the city for the good of the city. I mean, I'd, I want to get involved with more addiction recovery stuff in the city, and I, I think that's good for us to work alongside our not-yet-Christian friends. But the thing that's unique about the church is that we aren't united because we all are, have the same political agenda or we all have the same um, you know, preferences or hobbies. We're united around a person we're around Jesus, um, and we're only going to be safe with Jesus. So that's, um, we all, that's why we're united around Jesus, and we love him, and we build our lives around him. So I, this quote from Bonhoeffer, I have, so let me explain real quick. Uh, Bonhoeffer wrote, a, Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was um, a pastor from the last hundred years. He was uh, a Lutheran pastor in Germany during World War II, um, was a part of an assassination attempt on Hitler's life and uh, was eventually martyred um, for his faith in a concentration camp like two weeks before it was freed. So he, they, this is like a serious dude, you know. Like um, His book, he wrote a little book called Life Together. It is one of my all-time favorite books. It's just like 100 pages, something like that. I have the first chapter of that photocopied. I want for us to all try to read that in the next two weeks, Um, I'll hand it out to you afterwards. But it's just such a a beautiful picture of what life together in the church is. And the thing I love about it is that one of of these quotes is one of my favorite parts of the book. He says, what determines our brotherhood is what that man, so he's pointing at that man is by reason of Christ. So what determines our brotherhood is what that man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is true not merely at the beginning. So he's talking about this true not merely at the beginning when we we become Christians, as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all, all the future and to all eternity. I have community with others and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The uh, the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and His work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another wholly for eternity. So the point is that it's not our preferences or our hobbies or our similarities that brings us together in the church. The only reason that I have you and you have me and we're together in the church is because Jesus stands between us. He's redeemed us both. He's saved us both in his own death on the cross for us. And that's the only thing that's going to keep us together for all eternity. This, the King's Cross Church now, Lord willing, will usher us all into eternity to see Jesus face to face and to the resurrected bodies and life everlasting with him and together, and even still 10,000 years, 10 million years in the future, the only thing that's going to have bound us together is not our love of the patriots. It's going to be Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. That's going to be the only thing that sustains us, not only in our life together now, but for all eternity. So that's just a little sliver of of, uh, of Bonhoeffer. I've got that article for you guys. I'd love for you to read that. Um, so more on that. But is As the gospel is the center of our life together, uh, we've been using this word together a lot. And so how do we do that? What does that mean for us to all be together? uh, It's great to talk about Jesus being the center, and I hope that that stirs your soul to love God more, that Jesus is the center of who we are. But how how do we do this together part? How does that work? Because there's a lot going on in this passage. Um, So let's, let's look at that. Second thing that we're going to see is gathered. we're gathered to each other. So we're gathered around the gospel, gathered to the gospel. Secondly, we're gathered to each other. So verse 44 through 46, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they kind of like hung out a lot, right? Like that's kind of some of what this is going is going on here. The day by day they were together, they had all things in common. And what's going on with that phrase, what they had all things in common? Like that is this are these verses saying that when you become a Christian, you have to become a communist and hand over all your possessions to the church and Pastor Jacob doles out the dough. Like, is that what, the <laughs> is that what this verse is saying? I think, I think the key to this verse, I think the key to this paragraph, or this section at least, is this little f- word, as, in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, comma, as any had need. I know that's a small word, but I think it's actually really telling to the, the real heart of what's going on here. I think it's, it, it gives us an insight into what's going on with this life together. Because what it indicates is that if it's as any had need, it means that they, this was over a long period of time together, they were living life together, that it was over a progressive amount of time. Um, that they spent a lot of time together and they got to know each other. And that as they got to know each other, They graciously and generously wanted to help each other. They graciously and generously wanted to love each other. They graciously and generously wanted to preserve unity together. So it was as they spent time together, as life happened, my car broke down, the water's leaking above our ceiling, I uh, am sick at home, I need food, my uncle or my brother is dying of cancer, need to pray for him or provide for them. It's as these things come along that, at least in this verse, they're saying that they provided for them. They had all things in common. They were, they were for each other in Jesus. They were eager to stir each other's faith in Christ. So that's why they have uh, verse 46, day by day they were worshiping and fellowshipping. So that doesn't mean they were I, I wouldn't read this to say that they were um, necessarily having a worship service every day. But that does mean on, on a regular basis, worship was a part of their life together. And even more so, I love it. They were sent, it says, uh, verse 46, they were breaking bread in their homes. And they were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. That's why we just, we don't have a lot going on in terms of our big superstructure for the church plan. <laughs> it's commu- missional communities on, during the week and worship on Saturday nights. Because we love to be in each other's homes. We want to encourage each other to be in our homes. Hey, come over. Let's watch the game together. They were in each other's homes day by day. They loved Jesus. And because they loved Jesus, they loved the people that Jesus loved. They loved the people that Jesus had saved and brought into his home, brought into his family. And they loved the people of Jesus. And I think what this indicates, what I want to do is I want to build a case from this verse, from these verses that it wasn't just kind of like a general truth for us to apply to our lives but it actually is making a case for the necessity of the local church. I want to, I want to I want to build a case that what's going on here is not just uh they, this is what their life together was like but it was actually teaching that we need to be committed to a local local body of believers. Um, and what I want to do is I know that we've also done this in our in our missional communities but I want to I want to do that. I want to make that case by looking at the one another commands through the rest of the New Testament, because the one another commands there's like a hundred of them. There's more than a hundred of these commands in the New Testament, and they all stem from this life together. This verse, these, this paragraph, um, they're all fleshed out from this idea of our life together in Christ. Is this idea that devotion to Christ requires devotion to one another, I, I believe it comes from this passage and these one another commands kind of help us figure that out. So one of the, the first thing that we see with the one another commands in the, in the, in the scriptures is unity. One third of those commands are, deal with the unity of the church. So you have a Mark 9:50, be at peace with one another. Uh, I think in order for us to be at peace with one another, it requires a lot of time together so that um, we get offended and have to work out, work it out together. Like, to be at peace with one another requires, you know, rubbing up against each other and getting bent out of shape over things, you know. like, And that's just an exposure of our need for Jesus, but it requires that we be in a local committed body where, you know, we get offended and then we have to rely on the gospel together to bring peace to our relationship and unity to our life together. Don't grumble against one, among one another. John 6:43. 43, uh, if you don't grumble against other people, it might just be you haven't hung out with enough people long enough. <laughs> you know, like, I, good gracious, just hang out with me long enough, and you'll have to grumble about my grumbling. You know, like, I just, it, we, we need life together for the long haul to have to put these verses into practice. It, these are certainly true for us in general, but they are lived out in the local day-to-day where we live our life together. Be of the same mind with one another. Romans 12, six, uh, 16, and 5, 15. It's okay to disagree. We were just saying, you know, it's okay to have, you know, you got the Republicans and the Democrats and the Independents and all of those. It's okay to have different political views and perspectives and persuasions within the church, but we have to be united. For each other in Jesus—that's what unites us, and that takes a long, that takes a long haul. Accept one another. Don't bite and devour and consume one another. They get the get, Seriously, guys, don't eat each other. <laughs> I just don't uh, don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Uh, gently, patiently tolerate one another. Um, if you were at our kitchen table. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when Matt and Rachel came over, we played a card game where everybody except for me had to be patient and enduring with me. <laughs> I was not very happy about losing stupendously to my wife of all people, <laughs> and I was losing because of her um, you know what i 'm sorry like i I need Jesus to help me, and I know that 's a comical example, but that night, Matt and Rachel and Michelle had to gently and patiently tolerate me. That requires life together for the long haul, life committed together over over time. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving to one another. That requires time too, doesn't it? That requires committed life together, not to uh, not only to gain enough life where we sin against each other and forgive each other, but then bear the peace, then then commit to bearing fruit of peace together. So there's, there's more verses that we could keep quoting on. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good from one, for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. So you're getting the picture, right? Like we need to live, we need to live life long enough together, uh, committed to each other, live, so that we get a good HD, you know, 1080p, 4K picture of each other. You know, What's the real deal going on? And then put into practice that the gospel's is true. That we love Jesus. And Jesus loves people who are broken and sinful and needy. Which happens to be everybody in the church. Uh, and those are the people that Jesus is calling us to commit our lives to serve and love. You know, the reality is, guys, we are I know that we're just kind of at the beginning of this whole church plan. So we're not very old. We, we don't have a lot of, we haven't got a lot of skin in the game that we're all committed uh, we're going to get conflict. There's going to be conflict that's going to arise, and it's because we're all broken and sinful and needy. And um, we're going to, what's going to happen when we get to that moment where there's conflict in the church? Are we going to have invested sufficiently in our love for Jesus and our love for his people that we can bear through and work through that conflict to preserve our unity together? Because I think that's a precious fruit. That's a precious gift to glorify God in those moments when conflict really does come up. Because it's going to happen. I mean, thir- there's 13 letters from Paul. 12 of them were written because there was conflict in the church. And they had the apostles around. You know, like, I'm not an apostle, you know. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have conflict. Uh, but we're going to be able to glorify God together in our life together uh, when those days come. Because, we're, because God isn't calling us to invest in our community together. So the second thing, sorry, I want to be, I don't want to belabor, but the one another commands, love, another third of those come come out, love one another, and there's a whole string of references for this one. I mean, I can get this to you if you want, but love one another is a huge command. Through love, serve one another, Galatians 5.13. Tolerate one another in love. Again, the command to be patient with each other. Greet one another with a kiss of love. I don't know how you want to apply that, but, uh, you know, to each his own. Be devoted to one another in love. So, again, this is, this is a proactive community of life together, right? This is a life committed to each other in Jesus. Um, and I think it requires us to be proactive. You know, this, this command to love each other, You see that, I think you see that in Acts 2. They were proactive towards each other. They were proactive to know and love and care about and be involved in and invested in each other's lives. They were proactive toward each other, and I don't think, uh, I don't think this is a personality type thing. Like, I don't think this is just kind of like a command for the extroverts, um, and I don't think this is just like a correction to the introverts. I think this is a command that's realized in your personality type, whatever introvert, extrovert, Myers-Briggs, whatever you are. Um, I don't think this is a command... This is just like determined by a personality type. Because the reality is, the introverts need to be encouraged to pursue and be proactive towards other people, and the extroverts need to be encouraged to stop talking. You know? Like, they need to, the, the extroverts need to be encouraged to listen and slow down. So it's it, the, the command to love and be proactive, to bear one another's burdens, to be proactive towards each other. It, it goes both ways. So it's not like a, here's the extroverts getting down on the introverts. This is a command to everybody. And we need to be, I think we need to be attentive to this. Uh, I, would, I, would like for, I would like to encourage us to be proactive towards, towards each other, knowing each other, loving each other, and then proactively figuring out what would, what would be an expression of love to so-and-so in the church? What would be an expression of love and care for them? And I think this isn't just a command to kind of like get down on us. The great thing is, is that the, any command that God gives us, he gives us grace to be obedient in. Like So I don't know what might be stirring for you with the command to be proactive and love towards other people in the church, but I do think that it is a command that comes with the grace to obey. And it's a command that really is, um strengthen us. It comes with the assurance that Jesus is with us. Because the reality is that the gospel is all about a God who is proactive and love towards us, right? The gospel is God proactively loved us and sent his son to die for us, so that we would become not only sons and daughters of God, but be conformed to Christ's image. So the gospel is actually about conforming us to the image of a God who was proactively loving towards us. So we have this grace to be able to pursue each other, and all the hang-ups and struggles and anxieties and you know the mental gymnastics that we do about you know, being proactive towards each other, So let me just kind of, the last kind of category of the one another commands, humility, about 15, stress humility and an attitude of humility towards each other. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility to one another. So I I hope you don't mind that we kind of took this derail through all these commands. I know we've talked about them in our missional community, but I just wanted to revisit them because this life together that's held out for us in Acts 2, you see hints of all of these in this life together that's held up for them, that, that, that they're exemplifying for us. So I just want to read it again. For all who believe were together and had all things in common. So you get a sense of. They were unified and they were humble. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were not only unified, but generous. And they were loving. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they were were building a life together that reflected the generosity of God. So... Let me just kind of qualify this, though, to say uh, this is not to say that you have to be committed to one church at the exclusion of involvement with other Christians at other churches. Like, that's not what we're holding out here. The commitment is to be a part of the life of a local church, to be committed to your life there. But I think it's totally fine to be involved with other churches and, you know, this or that activity that you're doing together. But your life needs to be rooted as a Christian in a local church. And that's not saying that King's Cross is the greatest church that's ever existed and we're the only deal in Manchester. I mean, we do have a pretty sweet logo. But, you know, <laughs> um, it's a commitment to, the, to being invested in the lives of other Christians in a meaningful, long-term way that's going to bear the only kind of fruit that you get from long-term commitment in a, uh, in a church together. But, you know, I do things with other churches in the city. I think it would be fine for us to, you know, evolve with the youth group. Or involved in the singles ministry, or involved with the service project in the city. Like, it's totally fine to be involved with other churches. But the call, I think, here is, and the example, is to be committed to one local church, where you're living your life out together with them. So the point, of the, again, to remind us, devotion to Christ requires devotion to his people, devotion locally. And so I think just in terms of applying this to our lives, I think that this is maybe just a category that us as New Englanders, we just struggle with, you know, or if you live in New England, you're originally from California, you know, all you Californian people. Um, uh, I think that this is a category that we just kind of struggle with, of we like our independence. I mean, for crying out loud, our state motto is live free or die, you know. like <laughs> We like our independence. We like being kind of the uh, I don't need help, I don't need uh, assistance. We like being independent. And the gospel, I think, a way that the gospel really does kind of uh, show the goodness of Jesus to the to the world around us is they see us depending on each other in love and joy. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe one way to apply this is think of somebody in the church that you have not spent time with in the last few weeks, and proactively try to spend time with them the next few weeks. I mean, this is. Like not like rocket science application, but just proactively proactively pursuing being involved in somebody else's life in the church outside of our meetings in the next week or two, next month. Um, How can you? And you also don't, I think, have to drum up some like Bible studies to make it spiritual to hang out. Like, if you're going to go do something, like to the grocery store, or you're going to go to the pub, or you're going to go see a movie, or you're going to go to a sports game, or whatever, or watch the Patriots tonight, are they already done? Yeah, I know. As you're not watching the Patriots right now, but watching them next week because they're going to win, um, (laughs) it's really easy, just involving people in what you're already doing, you know? I think that that's I think that's what's going on here because it doesn't say that they started doing all these extra things they weren't doing before. I think they were probably eating before they became Christians. And now, after they became Christians, they're just eating with other people. I, you know, hey, I'm not saying I'm the best, you know, biblical reader ever, but it seems like a pretty obvious point to me. You know? Um, so, you guys get what I'm saying? Last, last thing I want us to see here. We're gathered to, the, gathered to mission. I, okay, so verse 47. So they were gathered to praise God, and they were having favor with all of the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I did not intentionally design this around gospel community mission. It just happened to be the structure of the passage. Um, But you see what's happening here is that as people are living their lives of broken, sinful neediness for Jesus together, unbelievers around them notice, not yet Christians notice, that they are walking through the same circumstances but with the hope of Jesus. I mean, the reality is that probably none of their circumstances changed. I mean, in a few chapters, they're going to have this whole deal of you know, fair distribution of of help to the widows. Uh, They they continue to face persecution. Uh, This strikes me as a passage that prosperity gospel preachers have got to have a real big problem with because their circumstances didn't change. Jesus saves them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They become sons and daughters of the living God, and they're still facing the same struggles of life. And I think that is intentional. They're facing the same struggles of life, but they've, they're facing them with the hope of Christ, the, the goodness of the gospel, and the fellowship of God's people around them to rally around them. People who were very different from them and being changed and encouraged in their life by in Jesus. You know, uh, this last week we were in our missional community on the west side, and Adam was sharing about his testimony where he was reading in the Bible and seeing like these type of people described, um, and then being totally shocked when when he met. Real Christians, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. and he was like, he was like, these people actually exist. You know, like, that's crazy. And he, that's, that's what's being held out here. For the, for the life of the church to be a beacon for the goodness of God, proactively pursuing those around us, proactively pursuing the life of uh, believers inside the church, it's totally going to wow people with the hope of the gospel. I mean, you hear this constantly in people's testimonies. I don't know how I would have survived the death of my husband or the death in our family or the struggle and the shame and the, and the suffering of the world without Jesus. I don't know how, you hear that all the time in people's testimonies. Non-Christians are going through the same thing and talking about how Jesus is shaping and helping and, and, and upholding us through those times. You know, I, I think that that is how God is going to continue to use us show Jesus to our neighbors. That's what Jesus is talking. Jesus holds this out for us in John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also sort of love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, If you have love for one another. This is Jesus' command. And this is not only Jesus' command, but it's his promise. That the non-Christians around us, the not yet Christians around us, as they see us love and encourage and strengthen each other in the gospel and our life together, they're going to know it's about Jesus. They're going to know who it is that's saving and redeeming and changing us. Because you see, that's the whole point of this, right? This isn't just to kind of create a really nice-sounding religious environment. But the point, you see it there at the end of verse 46. They're receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. That's the purpose of this. That's the purpose of our life together is to bring more praise and glory to God so that God would be seen for who he is, the God who pursues men and women who were lost and rejected and did not want God, the God who pursued us by his own son that he put on a cross to die and bring us into fellowship with him by his resurrection. This life together in the church glorifies God. It makes God look great for who he is. The God who brings many different types of people so that we are all brought together in Jesus and that Jesus is the center of all that we do. Jesus is the center of the life of the church. Jesus is the center of our life together. I think that God will continue to bless us if we love to make much of Jesus. And when we're devoted to Jesus, I think it requires that we're devoted to his people locally. God God promises to use that to bring people to know Jesus. God promises to add numbers to our church. Not because we're trying to get the numbers up, but because we want more people to know Jesus. We want more praise to be brought to God. And so I think, like I was saying before, I think maybe one thing to walk away from tonight is to: how can we be more proactive towards each other? How can we be more proactive in our life together? Life together in the church, proactive towards those around us, because This community that Jesus is building around himself is intended to bring more people in, but it's also intended to satisfy us with Jesus himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have saved us in Jesus. We ask that you would continue to help us as we grow, as we begin these early days as a church plant, God. We ask that you would be glorified you help us to love each other father would you help us to treasure christ together god would you use us to reach our not yet christian friends around us god that they would know the saving power of jesus christ in his name we pray amen thank you for listening to this message from king's cross church in manchester new hampshire